Good morning, everyone. If uh, we haven't met or it's been a while, I'm Pastor Caleb, and if you're joining us online, uh, I welcome you this morning as well. Our first text this morning comes from John chapter 14. And Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I am to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, we don't know where you're going. So how do we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is the central claim of Christianity. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That the only way to the Father is through Him, and not only that, but that if we know Him, we know the Father as well. So from now on, we know the Father and have seen Him. This is not... um, some sort of generic spirituality that we celebrate on this most holy of days. This is the claim made by Jesus that we believe at our very core that he is who he says that he is, the only begotten Son of God. The one who, in knowing him, we know the Father. This is an exciting day in the life of our church because we are confirming students into membership here. For the last uh, eight or nine weeks now, they've been learning about uh, the Christian faith and about what makes us distinct um, as Wesleyan-type Christians here at Trinity. They've learned about the creeds, and they've learned about the liturgy. They've learned uh, about some of the practices that make the spiritual life happen. And most importantly, they have learned this central claim of our faith. That in knowing Jesus, we know God. That in knowing Jesus, we know God. God of the universe. That the God who created everything that is seen and unseen, that the God who holds everything together even now and sustains all of life around us, that we know Him. That He has invited us to know Him. That he knows us and he loves us. He loves us so much that he sent Jesus into the world. 
And this past week in Holy Week, we have celebrated this final week of Jesus' life where he rides in triumphantly on Palm Sunday, where he celebrates the Last Supper with his disciples on Thursday, where he is murdered on Friday, buried. The grave couldn't hold him. This morning, he is risen. And because the grave couldn't hold him, it can't hold us either. We know the one who died, who descended into death, who broke the chains of hell, rescued the saints, and has the t-shirt to prove it. And because we know him, we know the Father. We are not uh, vague spiritualists as Christians. We don't read the Bible just to try to become nicer people. But it reveals to us the very truth of the created order. That everything that is seen and unseen is known by God and that God has made himself knowable in the person of Jesus Christ. This is Confirmation Sunday and I would, uh, I would like to, in a moment, call the confirmands and their families forward. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through confirmation and through the reaffirmation of our faith, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism, and we acknowledge what God is doing for us and affirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. So, Josephine and your family, if you would come forward and kind of stand over there. Annie, if you and your family would come forward and kind of stand over here. And we had real debate about where to put Matthew and his family, but since they're all like eight inches taller than I am, you can stand right here. Church, I present to you today Josephine, Annie, and Matthew for confirmation. Confirmance. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do. Okay. We talked about this. The people in the back can't hear you unless you let her rip. So let's try this again. 
on behalf of the whole church, who wants to hear you? I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do. You're getting there. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? If so, say, I do. According to the grace given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? If so, say, I will. To the parents and mentors, I ask, will you surround these candidates, support and encourage them in their Christian life? If so, say, I will. I will. Did you hear that? <laughs> now, to you, the church, do you, as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? If so, say, we do. We do. Now, will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and include these persons now before you in your care? With God's help, oh, you can see. Yeah, on the screen. Okay. With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their trust of God and be found faithful in their service to others. We will pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. Now, church... Let us join together in professing the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, he descended to hell. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, from there again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And now I'm going to call each confirmand forward, and we're going to remember their baptism and pray over them. Remember your baptism and be thankful. 
The Holy Spirit work within you. church, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? If so, say, I will. As members of this congregation, Trinity, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? If so, say, I will. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give, we give thanks, thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love. As members together with you in the body of Christ, and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace, who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you may live in grace and peace. Amen. Amen. Friends, do you reach your hands out? O Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on these new members in the life of this local church. Lord, we confirm today the work that you did in their baptism. The grace that you have already shown them, inviting them to know and be known by you. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you have wired them and shaped them for life in your kingdom. 
we pray that you would come alongside them even now to give them courage when they are scared and tempted. To give them peace when they are anxious and fearful. Lord, to give them hope when things are hard. Lord, to give them joy in acknowledging and recognizing your Spirit's work in their life. Lord, we confess that at times we have struggled to live in a way that is worthy of the way you've called us. But Lord, today we confirm with these confirmands our renewed commitment to living faithfully and obediently to you. Lord, we love you, we trust you, and we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Our next scripture passage comes from John chapter 20. And John writes that early on the first day of the week, while it was dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started the tomb, and both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Now they still did not understand the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And thinking he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward to him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Simon Peter's had a rough couple days. 
On Holy Thursday, there is there all gathered together. First, he puts up a stink about Jesus washing his feet. And Jesus puts him in his place. And then at dinner, he says, Jesus, I will follow you anywhere. And he says, no, Peter, you aren't going to. In fact, you're denying me three times tonight. And Peter, Peter says, never. And then he does. And now it's Sunday morning. Jesus has been crucified. He's been put in the tomb. The women uh, go the day after Passover, so it doesn't interfere with their religious celebration. They go to the tomb to, uh, to prepare Jesus' body, to, to, do, um, to give him the funeral that, that, he, that, that they want to. And he's not there. So they go and they get Peter, and Peter comes running in and he sees where Jesus' body had been laid. And all the linens are laid out nicely. Which would have been very strange because a grave, grave robber wouldn't have gone to the, the hassle of unwrapping the body and then neatly folding all the linens back up. And he's just looking at it like, I don't, I'm, am I getting punked? What is going on? This is not the way the world works. And then the other disciple comes in and sees it and gets it. It's like, ah. Oh. Like, this is what Jesus said would happen. I don't quite get it, but this is what Jesus said would happen. But Peter is still just sitting there like, what is going on? What is going on? And then you have Mary, who's just beside herself with grief. So much so that when Jesus comes to her, she doesn't even recognize him. It's like, have you ever cried so hard that like the whole world just kind of gets washed out and, you know, blurry? Okay, a few of you. Like she is deep in her grief. She is staring at her belly button, just weeping. And Jesus walks right up to her and she doesn't even recognize him until he says her voice. When he says Mary, she knows immediately who it is. Sometimes we can have these responses to God working in our lives in ways that we don't understand. We can be like Peter and feel like we have majorly, majorly disappointed God, that we have failed God, that we are just this disappointing, sad spot in God's life. Or we can be like Mary and all of our expectations aren't going the way we thought they would. And Easter invites us into a new reality. When Jesus rises 
I'm sorry, my, my English is not very good. I, I, I sometimes struggle with verb tense. So if I say something that just sounds wrong, it's because it is. <laughs> Six years of French, two years of German, three years of Spanish, barely speaks English. What can I say? So when Jesus rises, the disciples who had been on the mountaintop during the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, who had had this week of of intimacy with Jesus and then had the rug pulled out from them on Friday, are suddenly in this spot where they have to quickly make a decision within their own hearts. Am I believing what I am seeing? And for the disciple who Jesus loved, he sees and believes. But Peter's still just kind of lost. For Mary, she sees and she doesn't know what to make of it. But when Jesus calls her name, she responds. For us in these days, as we look about a world that is slowly recovering from the pandemic, we are about to enter into a stage of this where we will have some ability to have hindsight, where we will be able to look in retrospect, where we'll be able to look back on the last 12 and 16 and 18 and 24 months, and we will be able to see the way that God has been working even in the midst of this highly anxious, highly difficult time. And we'll have a choice to make. Are we going to look back, see God's fingerprints in all these different areas of our lives and believe and be thankful and praise God for what he has done? Will we look back and say, this isn't how I thought 2020 and 2021 would go and just still sit there like Peter, confused and struggling? I mean, maybe we look back and the last year just fills us with grief like Mary. Will we be able to look back and in recognizing the work of God in our lives, be, have, our, have our joy restored? The day is coming, friends when we will have the opportunity to look back and we will see the ways that God has been working. And it's hard to do it right now because we're still in the midst of it. It's still this anxious, frustrating time. But the kids are going back to school on Monday, so everything is getting better. (laughs) But will we be able to look back and with the eyes of faith be able to say, here is where Jesus was at work In my life. After appearing to Mary Magdalene, Jesus appears to the disciples. He then appears to Thomas in verse or in chapter 21. Actually, before we get to that, so at the end of chapter 20, 
we read these words. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Which if I was writing this gospel would be the end of the book. Because that sounds like a good ending, right? But there's unfinished business, and we get to that in chapter 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. And early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, Friends, haven't you caught any fish? No, they answered. And he said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and there you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved said, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off. He jumped into the water, and the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with a fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. And so Simon Peter climbed back into the boat And dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153 of them. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, he took the bread, and he gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. And this is now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Peter. Am I right? That guy. I tell you what. So, after Mary, he's one of the first people to go to the tomb, see that it's empty. He's then back with the disciples, and Jesus appears. He's then with the disciples again, and Thomas is there this third time, and Jesus appears. And after seeing the resurrected Lord on multiple occasions, what does this guy do? He goes home and gets his old job as a fisherman back. Like, Peter, brother, what is going on here, man? How is it that he doesn't understand what's happening here. How is it that he thinks it's over? Still, even after seeing the resurrected Lord twice. You know, some of us just take a little longer to get stuff. 
some of us are a little thicker than others. And whereas most rabbis would have just written Peter off, been like, man, that guy is hard-headed. He is never going to get it. Let him go catch fish. Or try to. Ah. But Jesus continues to pursue Peter. Continues to invite him into the family, into the mission, into the kingdom. When they are finished eating, Jesus reinstates Peter. He asks him, Peter, do you love me? And Jesus says, and, and Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, okay, then feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Okay, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know that I love you. How many times do I have to say it? Feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. Very truly, I tell you. For those of us who are thick, for those of us who are dense, for those of us who don't get it the first time or the second time or the third time, the end of the gospel doesn't mean the end. The end of chapter 20 should be the end of John's gospel. It makes sense to be the ending. But it's not the end because Jesus loves us so much, because Jesus cares for us so much, because Jesus wants to know and be known by us so much that he says, forget about the end of this. We're going to go get Peter. We're going to bring him back. He is called. He has a mission. We're bringing him back. You know, sometimes we can fail so magnificently that we think it's over. That God has no room for us in the kingdom. That we have no, uh, no value to add to the world. But the truth is that Jesus is standing on the shore, continuing to call us in continuing to invite us to know and be known by him. And when we come to shore, Jesus will break the bread and give it to us. Jesus wants to know us. And Jesus wants to be known by us. And we, as the family of faith, as members of the kingdom of God, know the Father because we know the Son. So now may our Lord Jesus Christ go near you to defend you, go before you to guide you, go behind you to forgive you. Go above you to bless you and live within you so you may love one another. He lives and he reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now 
and even forevermore. Amen.